Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity. All righty, folks, Mr. Curiosity here, Joe Snedeker. And, uh, you know, here we go. We got a special guest this week. Now, I don't know if a lot of you listeners know this, but I don't know these people that I interview. A lot of times I like to go in blind. I just see an interesting, charismatic person and I'm like, I got to talk to them. So sometimes it's recommended. Sometimes I just know a little bit about them. Sometimes I know them. They're colleagues at WNEP. But this week I got, are you ready? The title is. <clears throat> and I don't know what this means either. Community Relations Coordinator, District 4-0, Jessica Ruddy from PennDOT. What do I need to know about that title, girl? So basically, I am the community relations person. I handle any questions from the public, concerns from the public, try to be that person that connects people to the employees here at PennDOT that can help them. Yeah, you're the PR person, I guess, right? Yep. But to me, that sounds like torture. Because I, <laughs> here's what I mean. It's, I think it's natural human tendency. I don't know why. If there's a government entity, it's considered bureaucratic, wasteful, and worthy of abuse. So you're walking into abuse, aren't you? <laughs> Like I said, Joe, people people said that I am brave for doing this during the season. <laughs> I think the only government entity that people embrace and love would be like NASA. And, and even that gets abused, right? So right. <laughs> all right. So um you a local girl, born and raised. I am born and raised in West Scranton, and now I live in Troop. I've been in Troop for about 24 years. So uh, we're kind of neighbors. I'm up, uh, you know, at Chapman Lake where we, we, we probably have seen each other at Coles or something and just kept walking. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually, my children go to Marywood and you had my oldest son, Craig. No, I did not. Yeah. Craig. Kalinowski. I, did, I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. See, folks, the things that are coming out in this podcast. <laughs> so I was his science instructor at Marywood. Did he, you know, you're not on the spot here, but yes, you are. Did he say good things about me? Did we have a good he, interaction? He did. He loved your class. He did. He was a great student. What is he on to doing? He um, he graduated with his business management degree in aviation management. And now he's actually, he just graduated the state police program in December and he's stationed in Tawanda. So he's a state trooper? Yes. He better remember me now. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to come a day, right? <laughs> You never know, right, Joe? If he sees me down by the river burying a body, he better turn his head and keep going. <laughs> I don't know if he'll go that far. <laughs> All right, I kid, I kid, I kid. All right, so um, so, so, how did you evolve to get into a PennDOT position? So I was downtown in downtown Scranton for 10 years. I was part of the redevelopment of all those historic mixed-use rehabs, right. um, working for Charlie Jefferson down there. I was there for 10 years. And I handled a lot of different things, day-to-day -day operations, ran Montage Mountain Ski Resort for two years, um, did all the public relations for all the entities that we represented. So what do you need as a background to prepare for such a career where you're always representing, representing, representing? Well, I think you do have to be good with people and, and empathetic with people because, you know, when they tend to call me, they're, they're frustrated, inquisitive, what's going on on my road, how, how can I reach you know, someone in the art, uh, design 
um, sector here, construction, maintenance. So, you know, connecting people and being good at that. And I, I actually enjoy that. I enjoy working with people. So I bet you in high school, you were like Miss Congeniality or something. So I, mean, you know, I actually from- wasn't. I was not. <laughs> I was not at all. I was very shy. Um, but, you know, I grew into my own and became more confident over the years. And, and like I said, I really enjoy working with people in general. Yeah, well, you have that bubbly, uh, welcoming uh, way about you. You just want to hang out with you and talk to you and, uh, and, and share with you. So, Well, thank you. It's good in your field, right? Right, absolutely. It definitely helps. But but I'm saying, I guess when you were in high school and then preparing for a career and going to college, were, were you saying, I want to be a PR person, I want to represent, or what, what, what were you aiming towards? You know, that's it's funny you say that because I, I actually went to college to be a nurse and then I started having children. Well, that's another people-pleasing career right there, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I actually, my daughter is at Marywood. She's in her senior year and she's graduating in May to be a nurse. And okay. so we're really proud of her. But um, so, yeah, now through the years, I've, I've had all different kinds of jobs. I worked for the IHM sisters at Marywood for six years. I worked in their business office. And then we, we had this Marywood connection and I didn't even know this. I'm not playing yeah. dumb. I did not know that. OK, yeah. so that's where you started. You get your start. Uh, then what? And then I actually worked for Frank Andrews Shimkus. Um, in the state reps office. Another um, connection. I can't <laughs> handle this, folks. I did not plan this. I promise I did not plan this. Maybe that's why you agreed to do this because you knew through all my connections with you and I didn't even know about that. I'm a nice guy and you're a nice person and it would work. Yeah, absolutely. You're definitely a nice guy. (laughs) So so what did uh, Frank have to, uh, what was that like? What was that experience like? Um, that was a nice job too. Again, serving the public and helping people through through the you know, bureaucracy of the state. And you know, how do I get my driver's license? How do I do this? How do I do that? And helping people in that respect. So that was a nice job. Um, well, we may after- have this in common then. Did, may I ask, did he hire you or am I getting too nosy? He did hire me. Well, wait a minute, stop the press. Because at WNEP, he hired me. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> so I think. Wow, I think small world. Without this man, maybe the two of us wouldn't even be doing, of course, what we're doing now. Who knows? You never know. Like I said, I, I, I never really, except for wanting to be a nurse, I, I never would have thought I would be where I am today. Oh, man. So he hired you. He was my news director when I first started. I was a little punk in my 20s and he took a shot with uh, me and uh, started working weekends. And you were probably a punk in your 20s, right? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Girl never reveals her age. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So so you're doing that. Why didn't that last forever? What's going on Um, with that? that? Well, that was a couple of years and then I, I needed full time. So then I ended up moving on and worked in the commissioner's office back in like 2008 or so. Uh, stayed there for a little bit. And then shortly thereafter, I got hired with that group downtown at Admiral Management. And I worked there for 10 years. And, you know, it, I was probably one of those um, stories that you hear about women changing careers during COVID. Um you know, I just felt like it was time for a change. This job had come up and I interviewed. It took a while because it was during COVID in 2020 and about six months. And they finally hired me. And I've been here since September of 2020. So am I correct in that this was s- similar, if not the James May position? 
It was not? James May's position. Oh, yes. and James May used to always be on WNEP. Seemed like Absolutely. a likable, fun-loving guy. Ryan Leckie used to always go in his uh, truck and do these stories yep. and everything. That was fun stuff. So you're the new James May. I am. I am. Now, are you going to go? I won't be running for office. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to be uh, riding in uh, plow trucks like uh, with our reporters like like he did? Yes, definitely. I was going to actually suggest that to you maybe for the next snowstorm if you wanted to do something like that. I love it. Now I'm going to be the big shot at WNEP and be like, yeah, I know her. We're friends. And uh, here's the number to call. I love it. <laughs> and you're better look and you're better looking than he is anyway. So there you go. <laughs> got that going for you. So this has only been a year, year and a half now or about a year and a half now. Yes. And what do you think? Did you have any connections with PennDOT before this or not really? Not at all. Um, lots to learn here. There are so many projects. And like I said, there's different sectors. So you have design, you have construction, you have maintenance, and then you have the administration part. Um, there's so much going on. In District 4, we represent Lackawanna, Luzerne, Pike, Susquehanna, Wayne, and Wyoming counties. So okay. we have about 4,000 miles of roadway in our district, and we have a lot of projects going on. We do, last year, I believe we did about $650 million in projects. Yeah, and when you hear these numbers, it's just hard for the average person to take them in, you know, whether it's the linear miles you just said with all these highways or the money coming in. Everyone knows that, you know, this road needs help. That one's been, uh, you know, defunct for too long. This one needs to be paved again. Everyone wants these things to be done. But yet, of course, it's got to be a shared resource. You know, we can't just go fixing everything all the time. So right. what an impossible job to please everyone. It can't be done. You're going to make enemies. Yeah, it's hard. It's a thankless job a lot of times. And and I know for a fact that our drivers take their jobs very seriously. The, there will be reports out there maybe sometimes that um, a road was not salted or plowed and, and, and a driver will call and say, Jessica, I swear I had that road plowed. Like they take great <laughs> pride in their work. They really do. They really are passionate. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a fairly well-educated guy and watch, I'll show you how ignorant I am. Are you ready? The very street outside of my house I'm not sure if it's a state road, if it's a township road, if it's a city road. I don't even know. People don't know these things. They don't know whose jurisdiction it is to handle these things, right? I don't know. I should know. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely get the brunt of um, criticism because, you know, everyone assumes that the road is a state road, especially if it's a busy road. Right. Um, but in fact, it could be owned by the municipality. It could be a county road. It could be a state road. So, you know, that's actually a common question. They'll call me and say, you know, PennDOT didn't come out and do my street. So I have to then locate the street, see what kind of road it is, who maintains the road and reach out to that entity. Oh, so if it's not PennDOT, you still then have to direct them to the correct resource to help them out. Yeah, I'd like to help them out with that. <laughs> you, you could just hang up and say, that's not our road. And then boom, it's over. But no, you got to put yeah. on a big smile. You got to put on the big smile, show the beautiful teeth and uh, make everybody happy. Absolutely. I enjoy <laughs> doing it. <laughs> All right. So, so PennDOT, I mean, where do we even begin? What's a typical day for you? Uh, you know, the alarm goes off at what time? Or you don't want, I'm getting too nosy here. You can have me ring the bell if you want. Look, this means shut up, Snedeker. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. The alarm goes no. off at what time? I am not a morning person. <laughs> you are not a morning person. Come on. <laughs> I get up usually between 6.30 and 7 o'clock-ish, 
Well, stop um, right there. That's a morning person. A lot of people sleep till 10, 11, 12, 637. And it's a slow go. Yeah, though. I, um, it's a slow go. I get ready pretty quickly. I head out and I'm at work between 7, 730, um, depending on what time I get up. And then um, my yeah, but you skipped is- you skipped an important stage there. You get up, say 630. And I hope the first thing you do is put on WNEP and watch your favorite local weatherman. Absolutely. We definitely do. <laughs> okay, good. See, you left that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then so, you're yeah, I'll go to work and I never know what a day is going to be. No day is alike because depending on if it's a winter storm, I might not have even gone to that because myself and Mike Toludo, we share a shift uh, for the incident command center. We'll be up, we'll do a 12 hour shift. And sometimes I'm up all night. Um, last year when we had the one storm in particular, I, I don't think I got more than six hours of sleep in like three days because we are in the incident command center and pushing out press releases all night long, updating people what what roads are open, what tiers have changed, if there's speed reduction. So so you never know what's going to happen. But on a typical day, if it's not a storm going on or something like that, I head in, I make sure that our website is always up to date. I'm answering our customer concerns. I'm making sure that people are getting what they need and pushing out press releases for any kind of road work or anything else that's going on. And then Obviously, I'm doing podcasts with Mr. Curiosity. (laughs) Well, so uh, I'm still, uh, is this like a stereotypical question or stereotypical image of PennDOT? I'm picturing you go in, the door opens up to the building you're entering, and there's all sweaty, baggy, jeaned, 48-year-old guys, balding, curmudgeons, and you're the only, and you're the only light of of, of day that enters, I, you know, that's just the, that's the perception. PennDOT, you think of middle, late age guys, cranky, just carrying around uh, sledgehammers and having yellow vests on. What, is there any truth to that? Absolutely not. Um, actually, everyone, <laughs> I really enjoy working here. Everyone here um, are very nice people. They're very dedicated to their jobs. They're always nice to me and very helpful. But now, is it male dominated? It is male dominated, right? I imagine it's male dominated or not necessarily. Probably. I I can say that it it could be a 50-50 mix. There are a lot of women working in maintenance. There's a lot of women engineers here, Um, you know, depending on the job. I mean, I, I, I don't know that we have any women drivers out there. Okay. I can't answer that, but um, there's a lot of women working here. Oh, that's excellent. All right. So, so all these tasks you have, you really never know what is going to happen, but assuming it's a quiet day or a week and there's no eventful weather and it's not really paving season yet because it's not spring, summer, fall, what are you doing? I mean, if there's no action in terms of atmospheric created action or paving projects, what's next? What, what, what happens this time of the year, January, February, Right now, we are gearing up for construction season. So right now, I'm working on our county fact sheets for Harrisburg so that they know what's going on in our counties. Um, I'm working on, I'll be starting our new spring construction press release to go out on behalf of the governor's office. I am updating the website with public meetings for projects that might be starting this year. Um, There's a lot to do. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that people don't realize. And so, but I guess you're the, are you the first and only to hear, is there, see at WNEP, we have this, I have this theory that only the angry 10% or 5% call WNEP. Most people don't. 
And when you go to our resource where there are complaints from the public, I, I don't want to say it's funny, but it's funny. You hear the most outlandish things that people are complaining about. Why is Joe Snedeker, you know, not shaving in two days? Why does Tom Williams wear the same shirt <laughs> twice this week? Like the, the most outrageous things. Are you the person that that gets the first line of of negativity from the world? Is that you? Um. You know, there is um, a customer care. Um, oh, they probably get it. They probably get it. Yeah. And then they Everyone send it to you. It. <laughs> Everyone gets it. So people in Harrisburg will get it. County managers will get it. Um, they route that customer concern to the appropriate <laughs> party. Um, but I do get a lot of people that are um, concerned, um, maybe upset. You know, their car hit a pothole. How can I file a claim with PennDOT? I'll get to that um, later. I'll get to that one later. Yeah. And I don't mean to diminish the public's concerns because of, as a government entity, that's your job, right? To, to listen to the people and try to help them. But on absolutely. the other extreme of that, it, it tends to attract more negativity than is allotted, I think, to any person. So I, I, it's, a, it's a necessary evil, I guess you could say, what you have to do, right? Right. Now, I have to say, most of the people that I've dealt with, probably 90%, are very courteous, I don't know if that's because of me or if that's just how they are, but they are very nice to me. And now I'm very surprised that. by that. I am very surprised. I thought you'd say something like 80% of the people are maniacs. No, no, honestly, they're very nice to me. And I am empathetic with them because they're coming to me probably as a last resort because they've either tried to deal with their township or they've tried to figure out the problem on their own. They've gone on the website, they've talked to their neighbors. Um, and then finally they get to me and I understand their concerns and, and I do my, my best to help them out. Oh, I would have never thought that that's excellent news. So it's a, yeah. it's a pleasant exchange much of the time. Yes. I love it. I love it. End of discussion. <laughs> See you later. No, I'm just kidding. When I posted on Facebook, if people have any concerns, I've done this before with my guests and I have not received so many questions for you than I have when I posted your picture and what you do. So these people they're screaming out to you. Are you ready? Do you want to get into I'm ready. That we... I'm ready. I read them. I'm ready. You're <laughs> no prepping allowed. And before <laughs> we read some of these questions, folks, you have to know that this, this some of these questions go outside your job responsibilities and knowledge base. So you can just very easily say, I have no idea. That's not for me to uh, worry about. But right. we have to start with the number one thing. And there's science in this. That's why I'm interested. Do you have any facts to suggest with the stereotype that Pennsylvania has the worst roads? Or is this anecdotal where every state there's people complaining about the roads and the potholes? Or does Pennsylvania really have that bad of a pothole ridden surface? I, I don't know the answer to that. Do you? Has research been done? I, I'm sure there is some kind of research done, but sometimes that can be slighted by whoever's writing the story, obviously. Right, right. Um, I can't imagine that we have the worst roads in the entire country because there are other states that go through the same thawing and freezing cycles that we do with the, with the weather here. Um, but we do have an aging infrastructure here. Our roadways are 50, 60 years old. And they were built all around the same time. So now all of the roads need attention. Roads, bridges, um, all need attention here in Pennsylvania. And, and we're working on it. And we're trying our best to get them repaired. Well, that's a valid point you make right there that I never thought of. 
Pennsylvania may have roads that are, uh, and I have to delicately say this, more deteriorated than other places because we have one of the oldest states in the United States. Correct. Our infrastructure and our bridges and our roads go back many decades. Whereas if you're in Iowa, that's not the case. Or if you're in Florida, or if you're in even, uh, you know, upstate New York. So it's a whole different uh, thing here. We go back to Ben Franklin. Our roads are older. Our projects are older. Therefore, there's going to be more deterioration. That's a very good point. Now, scientifically, you mentioned the freeze thaw. And of course, that's what does it. Everybody, I think, knows that. But the more freeze thaw you have in a repeated cycle, the more crumbling that's going to occur. When water freezes, it must expand by 10% its volume. So if water runs into a little nook and cranny in the road, and then it gets below freezing at night, that water has to expand. These are the laws of chemistry, and it's going to push through whatever's in its way. If you're in New Jersey, if you're in Maryland, there's less freezing and thawing cycles. That is a fact. So not only are our roads older, but there's more freeze-thaw cycles those two factors alone could contribute to the worst road uh, surfaces in the area. And it has nothing to do with government or bureaucracy. It could just be we have to battle more here, correct? Correct. We're at the mercy of Mother Nature at all times. Yeah. And not to mention our topography, which is not the case in much of, say, New Jersey or even New York. We have these ridges and valleys and the geology of such that is very different than anywhere else. So I'm not going to blame you and I'm not just <laughs> sugarcoating you. I really, I want the truth from this and I, and I, it's probably hard to find. I think it's part age infrastructure, like you said, and the weather and the climate conditions here in Pennsylvania, but people. Yeah, and, the, and the use of, and the use of our roadways. We have a lot of warehousing districts that have popped up over the years and we have a lot of trucks coming through. We have a lot of traffic coming through. I mean, We have Interstate 81, Interstate 80 that connects to other states also. So there's a lot of traffic that comes through this area. I like that. See, another thing I didn't think of. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Everyone who's complaining about other states. Well, we have more traffic here because more people are doing things here and need our resources here. So take that. Add that to the list of why we have the worst roads. If indeed we do, we don't even know if that's a fact. I was surprised by this. And this goes with the pothole thing. All right. I'm driving down the road. It's a state road. I whack my car in a pothole. Oh my goodness, I didn't see it. My rim is bent. I'm on the side of the road. Some lady says to me, Did you know PennDOT will pay for that? And I'm oh, could do it. What's the truth with all that? Is there some type of procedure you can follow if you whack your car and destroy it on a pothole? You can file a claim with our um, insurance company through the state. It is not PennDOT that makes the decision, but if you Google, um, uh, insurance claim for pothole, you'll be able to find the, uh, the form in order to file an insurance claim. I imagine something like that would be impossible to prove because you could have done that on a municipality or, or county road and then just say you had it on a state road. How is the government going to prove where you did that? Or how are you going to prove that? Yeah, I'm not really sure what the procedure is. Like I said, it's not PennDOT that does that. And I haven't gone through the procedure myself. But you know, you are entitled to file a claim. I guess in the same respect, this happened to me about eight years ago. I bought a new car and it was within the first week. I I had passed my wheels over a recently painted yellow demarcation in the road. 
and that yellow paint sprayed on the underside and um, door of my car. And I'm like, oh, crap, this. Uh, and then I just moved on in life. And then a couple of people told me, you know, PennDOT will pay for that if they recently painted that road and you happen to pay. And I'm like, if this is my ADD, to me, I'd rather deal with the paint on my car than fill out a form. <laughs> right. but, but is something like that even covered? I guess do you have a claim. Yes, Absolutely. And that's a common occurrence. Um, a lot of times when we're out there spraying, it, it doesn't take long for the spray to dry. But a lot of times people are in a hurry and they're probably traveling too closely to our, our crew that's out there. That's or definitely me. Going, or they're going <laughs> over the yellow line when they shouldn't be, Joe. <laughs> that's definitely me, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you can file a claim. Um, and I will say my son did file a claim once and he did get reimbursed for the damage on his car. Wow, that's interesting. I yeah. didn't know that was even a possibility. But again, that's something I personally would never do. I would rather go through the life of my car with yellow paint on it than take an hour to fill out forms. This or is you my... can even take a brush <laughs> and some warm soapy water and nine times out of 10, it'll come off. It'll come off. I was going to say, there is, there, some, I'm, there is something special about that paint, but it's not that magical. Right. You know no, what I mean? It, no. it will. So it's a water based paint. Excellent. All right. So the other question we get a lot of now as a cyclist, <laughs> I can't wait to hear about this one. And I think I know the answer. All right. I bike a lot. I'm a road bike rider and a mountain bike rider. But when I'm biking on the roads, all of a sudden, a couple of the roads that I travel on. Oh, God, look what they're doing. They're tar and chipping it. It is the absolute worst. Now. I'm biking over and there's tar and then there's all that chip that builds up channels on the road. The tar and chip thing seems to me like a huge pain in the rear end. I'm, I tend not to complain because I'm thinking there's someone very smart who thinks this is a better answer than repeatedly paving it. And then by the end of two, three, four weeks after you let it go, everything's okay. And the tar and chip settles, it's compact and it seems to me fine. But what's the deal with the tar and chip? So the tar and chip, it is um, the most economical way in order to maintain a road. Um, it all comes down to money, unfortunately. Uh, we can pave a road, but it costs a lot more to pave the road than it will to tar and chip. Um, so kind of like a Band-Aid in a way, right? To keep... It, it, it's, it's a Band-Aid, but some roads are tar and chip and they have been that way forever and may be that, that way forever. Um, but they also can be considered for pavement if the funds become available. Is there some big wig in your office or you can't say who makes, who checks the tar and chip box versus pave box. It's one guy with an expensive suit on and he makes $300,000 a year. And he's like tar and chip pave. And it's all on him. Or there's some, <laughs> there must be well, some. No one, makes no one makes $300,000. <laughs> okay. I uh, see it sounded dramatic that way, but you know what I mean? So it's really, it's like, it's a committee or it must be some sort of, 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 of characteristics of that road. Maybe the, the amount of cars that pass over it. The, exactly. You know. The amount of average daily travelers on the road. And again, funding. Yeah. Because it always seems like it's the rural roads that get the tar and chip, which the way it should be. Right. Because there's not many cars that pass over it. Right. A lot of right. bikers like me though, but <laughs> yeah. So be it, right? No one's worried about the guy in spandex who's 55 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary says you're very brave for doing an interview in the middle of pothole season. You are brave. 
I, I got a lot of those comments over the past day. <laughs> you know, I'm a nice guy. That's why this was going to be uh, fun and good. All right. Um, why are the roads worse here in Northeastern PA than upstate New York? They have freeze thaw action too. We kind of addressed that one. So they said the climate excuse doesn't work, but we have more than the climate excuse. We have traffic and we have age. So that could be it. But I'm still, I'd love to know an independent study where we rank with road condition. And something like that, by the way, is very subjective, right? I mean, whether a road is good or bad is semi, it's like what I feel is a pretty person or an ugly person. It's very subjective in many right. cases. But we'll see how that goes. We kind of answer that one. All right. The old other standard joke. Here we go. Are you ready? And my son, by the way, who is an environmental science major at Wilkes, when he was doing an internship, did it with PennDOT. Oh, and, nice. And he had wonderful things to say about the whole organization. But this goes along with that. All right. Ron says, ask her why it takes five people and five PennDOT trucks to do the work you know, of, of, uh, what would be one or two people and you know, the old standard joke, there's a bunch of people standing around a pothole, they have suits on and there's one guy digging with a shovel. Like what, what's the deal with all that? Well, you know, we, we obviously know it might not be five or seven guys. It could be three or four. Um, but I mean, there, there do need to be flaggers. We need to make sure that safety is followed for, for our employees and also for the motoring public. So, you know, I, I, I can't say how many people it takes to dig a hole, but um, we do need to make sure that the area is secure, safe for drivers and our employees. But is it true that if there is, let's say, um, a certain guardrail, guide rail, I'm sorry, that needs to be fixed. Uh, do you need a supervisor there that just watches over the whole thing? Or is that an ex a bureaucratic exaggeration? Because he's the guy that's just going to stand there. And then the other guy's the engineer. And then the other guy's the hard worker with the shovel. Is that how it works or not really? So, so when we're doing any kind of work, there's always a supervisor involved. There's always people who have 30 years of experience. Maybe there's people there training. You know, it could be two or three. That's a good point. People, yeah, or it could or be like my, they're my, learning. It could be my son, an intern, just watching over the whole thing, right? So they, these are all good Absolutely. points you make. Absolutely. That's excellent. All right. This is a good question about considering it's still snow season. Could you ask her how many plow trucks does PennDOT have? I don't expect you to know that offhand, but maybe you do. Uh, I know what District 4 has. We have about 200 plow trucks and approximately 300 plus drivers to operate the plow trucks in the winter. Wait, wait, wait. So again, Luzerne County, Lackawanna County, and where else? Pike, Susquehanna, Pike. Wayne, and Wyoming. So the entire northeastern corner of our state, the state roads, 200 plows to cover that. Right. My brain can't wrap around this, the, the efficiency of that. Are those guys during a snowstorm assigned like a county or a series of roads? How does that work? So, yes, District 4 is those six counties. And in each county, that's where the crews get stationed for the most part. And during the winter, they have predetermined routes, which take anywhere from two to four or five hours, depending on the storm. Um, while our district has 4,000 miles, linear miles of roadways to maintain, we actually have over 8,000 miles of snow lanes. So instead of it being four, 4,000 miles of linear mileage of roadway, we have 8,000 because there's two lanes, three lanes, four oh, lanes on some of the interstates. 
So divided by 200 plow trucks, I mean, are they doing 200 miles or each, 20 miles each? Are they given? Is it chunks like that? Are they, hey, you yeah, it, 20 miles? It depends. Um, so for example, for the dry run that I was on last year, we went from Dunmore and we went all, all the way through, um, I believe, Avoca. And then we had to do the ramps and then we had to come back and then you have to fill. So it's constantly refilling, plowing, salting, um, making sure that you're doing the ramps along with the interstate. So it's usually one plow driver keeps doing his or her certain section back and forth over and over again. Exactly. I can't see him on the side of the road and say, hey, you got to go down to uh, down to Peckville. There's a whole section that you missed. He's going to say, sorry, that's not my section. That's not his section. Correct. So when I'm driving to work uh, three in the morning on the Casey Highway and I see the plow trucks doing a good job, by the way, it's the same ones going back and forth. They cover that whole thing. Yes. The majority of the time. Maybe some guy has Carbondale to Scranton and that's his only job back and forth. Exactly. Now, during some storms, some counties get more snow than others. So we might have to send crews out to those counties in order to do assist. But um, for the most part, during a storm, um, they have a predetermined route. And you're saying out of all those plow drivers, as far as you know, only one or two females, maybe not even? I'm not really sure. That's a good question. I did not anticipate that question. So I'll have to look into it. <laughs> yeah, but we can both agree that it's mainly guys. Right. Right. Definitely. Would you say sweaty 40 something year old guys in baggy jeans? Or you don't <laughs> want to say that? That's me saying that. I didn't encounter any sweaty guys when I meet these guys. <laughs> All right. I'm just fulfilling that stereotype. A guy, some guy my age with baggy jeans plowing in his PennDOT truck. That's what I'm picturing. Um, so I will say that there is a woman in human resources here. I don't want to give her name out, but she did tell me she does have her CDL. Oh, I love it. Come on, girls, pick it up. You could, you could plow probably Absolutely. better and more caring than we can. All right. This Dale brings up a good subject, but there's nothing you can do with about this. Doesn't everybody hate the left laners? These people who are in the left lane going slow, and then they hold up all the people who are trying to just keep things moving. What are we going to do about left laners? Not much we can do. That would be a police enforcement issue. And yes, it happens a lot and it drives me crazy too. Can't we put up um, sign? Can we put up blinking signs that say, don't stay in the left lane? Let's spend some tax dollars on that. They, when they do take their driver's test, they they are required to move over into the right lane after they pass. Yeah, that's just it's courtesy. Right. It's almost it making a, yeah, it's it's almost like making a law for people to say please and thank you. I guess you can't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, so I could I could see that there maybe is someone that's very nervous on the road and they're nervous to pass off cars and whatnot. So they probably would be better off in the right lane. Um and may, you know, I Unfortunately, there's a lot of distracted drivers out there that aren't even paying attention and maybe don't even realize that there's 10 cars behind them. Boy, that's you just touched on a modern day crisis, in my opinion. I have a friend of mine who drives a truck. He's a truck driver, a big rig. So being in a truck, you can look down on everybody. And he said at sometimes it's almost half the people that he sees on the highway that pass him or that, you know, his just casual route. They're on their phone in their car. He said, it's unbelievable. I, I can't believe, believe this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very dangerous situation. And unfortunately, there's lives lost because of it every year. I, I was going to say, do get off your phone. Although in the past, you know, 20 years ago, it was my wife 
curling her her eyelashes when she drove once. And I said, she had this medieval device. It looked like big <laughs> clamps. And she was driving and curling her eyelashes. Don't drive and curl your eyelashes or drive and text, okay? <laughs> are you an eyelash curler? Or are you? I am not. I am not. I don't think I've ever doing? used it before. <laughs> what was she doing with this thing? It was like a, it was like a vice that would just... <laughs> And it had these big rubber grips on it. I couldn't even understand what this thing was. I wonder, do they even work? <laughs> <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. I don't know. I burned my eyelashes off in a bonfire once, but that's oh, a whole different thing. All right. They grew back. All right. This is a good question. Um, I find, and boy, I'm either going to make a lot of enemies or friends with this statement. As a cyclist, and I don't know anyone who cycles as much as I do. I find cyclists annoying on the roads. I know they have just the same amount of rights as motorized vehicles, but sometimes when you get a group of cyclists, they act like they own the road. Stay to the right and let these people go by if you're on a, a you know, a faster moving section of the, uh, of the road. But I know that is true. Cyclists have the same exact rights and sometimes they tend to take up the whole road and slow up traffic as if it's all made for them. What do you think about all that? The cyclists. Well, motorists and bicyclists do have to share the road. So it is about courtesy. Hopefully, you know, you're using the precautions as a bicyclist out there. Um, but you do have to share the road for sure. But I tend, if I hear cars coming, I go way to the right. I say, okay, I'm just a biker. Let these cars go by. I'm not going to like pretend I own the road. But this question comes from Jim. He said, why doesn't PennDOT do anything to accommodate bicyclists? Most roads in Florida have bike lanes. We don't have that many bike lanes here with PennDOT. What's your take on all that? So that's a good question. And I did look into this. Um, there are bike lanes throughout our district. We have them in Honesdale. We have them in Luzerne County. And there is actually a plan um, that's being developed currently by Scranton and Wilkes-Barre um, in order to have bike lanes and eventually connect the two counties so that bicyclists can go directly from Scranton to Wilkes-Barre, but I'm not really sure, you know, when that is going to come into fruition. Or what road would that, that be in? You're saying an existing main road with like Route 6 or? Right. I'm, I, I don't have the details, but um, it is in the works. We also have the Heritage Trail um, and a lot of, you know, on access on and off throughout the entire district that you can access to ride your bike on. Yeah, those rail trail things are beautiful now. So they're really they taking are. over. And uh, PennDOT really doesn't have any play in that, do they? The rail trails, that's more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, oh. April Hannon. Yeah, April Hannon here at PennDOT. She does a great job. Um, we're getting ready to do a ribbon cutting at the Parker Street entrance that was just opened a few months ago. Um, but it goes, uh, we have rails and trails that go all the way up into Susquehanna County. I always thought. For example, the uh, Delaware and Hudson and O&W in Lackawanna County, I always thought that was kind of privatized. And then groups of volunteers would work up some uh, resources to fix them up. But PennDOT does have resources in that, too. Correct? Yes, absolutely. We do. And more are on the way. Yes. Woo! Baby. All right. What do you think about um, this question? It deals with something Charles was asking here on Facebook. Um, the whole toll thing, um, easy pass, are the days of the guy and the girl sitting in the toll booth, are they over even after COVID? Is that done with? 
I'm not really sure. That's run by the Turnpike. I did hear some rumblings recently that you're going to be able to um, use Venmo and other apps and things like of that nature in order to pay tolls to make it easier. Whether or not they'll bring back the employees, I'm really not sure. So what is PennDOT's um, governing role in the, in, for example, the Turnpike? What, what, what overlaps are there? Well, we, we work with the Turnpike. Obviously, we have on and off ramps that um, join up with the Turnpike. Right. Um, and we work very closely with them, but that they, they are completely their own entity and they run all, all of the tolling on the uh, Turnpike. So I wonder, this could be a go back to our previous question. Are Turnpikes and their, their pothole situation in better shape than the state-owned interstates? Because that could then prove the point. It's not climate. It's not age. It's not infrastructure. It's look at they're doing a better job than PennDOT. Ah, I wonder. I can't answer that. I oh, see, you're taking the anything. high road. You're taking the high road. You're not going to say anything bad about the turnpike. Come on. I, I will some not dirt. say anything bad about anyone. <laughs> Do you know why one entrance to the turnpike in the Lehigh Valley has a dome-shaped entrance and the other one coming out is square? Dun, I have dun. no idea. Do you know? I did that in a WAM cam a years ago, and I never even noticed that. But if you're ever traveling on the turnpike north and south, one tunnel is dome-shaped, round, half circle, and the other one is square. And I think it has to do simply with the contractors that did it back in the 50s or 60s, whenever that was, and they had different yeah. boring techniques. Isn't that pretty cool? Could be, yeah. Most people didn't even realize that they one was circular and one was uh, rectangular. Right. That's funny. All right. Oh, there's a good, this is a serious question. Are you are ready to handle this one? I'll try my best. Brian says, what's your opinion on tornadoes and roundabouts? Does she buy into the conspiracy theory that roundabouts are causing tornadoes? <laughs> I do. I really think that the roundabouts are causing tornadoes. <laughs> All those cars just going in circles somehow create a swirling effect and a shear in the atmosphere, and that causes tornadoes. It does. It does. That's why we had one a few years ago at Montage. All from the roundabouts. <laughs> Are they a new PennDOT thing here in Pennsylvania? Why were they always in Jersey and not so much here? Oh, I think that they're um, just... Um... I know that they do it for safety reasons. I know that it slows down traffic. I know that there are or can be less fatalities and aesthetic, it's aesthetically pleasing. Um, and we do have more here over the past few years. I know we did one up at um, Keystone College recently, um, but I'm not really sure why we are leaning towards that except for safety reasons, I would say. It does seem, because I remember being in my 20s and in late teens, early 20s, and never driving in a roundabout. And then when I was in Jersey with my buddies, here comes one. And I'm like, I was freaking out. I did not know what to do. And I was nervous. Right. And right. a lot of people still not used to them here. So it's kind of a new thing. And they, they still make me nervous. I don't know why <laughs> they shouldn't. They're very practical. They should, yeah, they, they should calm you because they are safer. I know. <laughs> calm. I am on high blood pressure medication. So these things, uh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> All right, Tom, Tom wants to know, and I don't even know if this is true. Set the record straight. Why is the gas tax one of the highest in the nation and our roads? He goes back to being the worst. Do we have one of the higher uh, gas taxes in the nation? We do. We're third in the nation. Whoa. I don't know why. That is above my pay grade. Um, That's not a PennDOT thing. It's it's not it's not set by PennDOT. Um, 
our state gas tax is approximately 58 cents. And out of that 58 cents, 12 cents goes to the Pennsylvania State Police and eight cents goes to the local municipalities for their roads. Um, and then there's also, um, I believe 18 cents that goes to the federal government um, on top of the 58 cents. So we're only getting about 38 cents per gallon in order to maintain all of the bridges and roadways in our interstate system here in Pennsylvania. Boy, that's interesting. I imagine, you know, to anyone out there listening and about to complain, imagine you're a politician, be honest right now, people, and you have to define what percentage of that gas tax goes where state police, PennDOT, um, uh, EPA. I mean, that's got to be impossible to say, let's have three more cents go here. Let's have two more cents go there. You try to make everyone happy and then you're going to end up making enemies always. That's an impossible job, right? Definitely. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about this right now coming up with alternative funding methods, whether it's a user-based fee, um, you know, mileage-based fee. They are looking into alternative ways of funding because especially after COVID, um, a lot of people work from home and aren't driving as many miles as they did before. I used to put probably 20 to 25,000 miles a, a year on my car. And now that um, with COVID and working closer to home, I, I only have 9,000 miles on my vehicle in the past 16 months when I, when I, from when I started the job. And so, you know, there is less gas tax revenue coming into the state. Yeah, that's a very good point. My wife is an example of that too. She now works remotely. She her car sits here all day long. Right. right. So there's right. miles that, that and put it on. Right. And electric vehicles too. You know, so what, yeah, what's it if if we're going electric in the next 10, 20 years, where's the gas tax gone? Exactly. We're exactly. I know GM is uh, GM is dedicated to having maybe 80 to 90 percent of their vehicles um electric by 2035. I know. That's unbelievable. So big change is coming, perhaps, for PennDOT, restructuring in the next decade or two. Right. Yep, absolutely. I say, I've always said this, we have to tax anything that's not good for you. Let's add a tax to French fries, hamburgers, pizza. If you're eating something that's unhealthy, let's tax the heck out of it, and that'll pay for the roads and bridges and potholes. What do you think? <laughs> you know, I, I, I think we're I think we're getting a little too crazy there, Joe. <laughs> we like pizza. <laughs> All right. Um, so so you're, you're going to continue on with this PennDOT career. You love it. Could this be the one? Could this be the one you retired at as an old lady in 50 years? Absolutely. I don't intend on being an old lady, but I definitely <laughs> would like to stay here. <laughs> Come on, it's going to happen to everybody. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky enough, I guess to say. All right. Gregory has the best question of all. And I have to agree. Are you ready? This may make you this may make you uncomfortable. (laughs) This this may make you blush. But who is her dentist? My God, does she (laughs) she have nice teeth? Wow. Do you want to give that? Well, thank you, Gregory. And I will give props to my dentist, Paulette Soltis Hamilton in Clark Summit. She is the best. (laughs) They're flawless. They're almost, they're almost, they're, they're almost too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank and, you. And I never had braces. I lucked out. You didn't know. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. If the roads could only be as perfect as your teeth. Oh, <laughs> is that a great way to end or what? 
Awesome. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> hey, is there anything before we end that you need uh, to give out to the public if they need to contact uh, you or someone at PennDOT concerning an issue, a uh, resource question, potholes, anything? Here's your chance, and then we'll give it a uh, the big end. Sure. Uh, they can always go on our, our district page. It's PennDOT.gov. Um, search for District 4. Um, they are welcome to email me any questions or concerns that they have about roadways and I can connect them to the appropriate party. Um, my email address is jeruddy at pa.gov um, or you can give us a call at the office. Our numbers are listed on the website. Well, listen, I didn't know you before this call and now uh, I love you. I think you're a great representation of PennDOT. And uh, despite what this one guy said right here, this this summarizes a lot of people why bother even asking a question we're never going to get a truthful answer to the real questions everyone has they're all corrupt i mean uh, yeah no i you, you, but you know that's what comes with any bureaucracy that type of attitude a lot of times so it, when government runs something and there's a bunch of people who are managed by government it's never going to be perfect it's impossible right we're all doing a good job here. it is impossible but just I also like for everyone to keep in mind that while the traveling public is using the roadways, so are we. All of the employees, all of their families, their wives, their children are using our interstates. So we are all in this together. Oh, what a great ending. And I'll summarize the whole thing by this. The only thing that's perfect are your teeth. <laughs> and thanks for spending this time with us. Thanks, Joe, for having us. Jessica Ruddy. Woo! Pendot. Have a nice day. All right, you too, Joe. Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything, Mr. Curiosity.